12 to 1 with Adrian Abraham on Money FM 89.3. It's Money FM 89.3, and joining me on the show today is the ABC News journalist Jason Dacey. Of course, a lot of our listeners will know him because he's to helm the weekend morning show right here on Money FM 89.3. Jason, welcome back to the show. Good to speak to you, Adrian. Always a pleasure to bring the listeners up to date with what's going on in the loud down under my uh, nation of Australia. And I'm coming to you from a sunny autumn day in Brisbane in southeast Queensland. It's been a few weeks since we you know, caught up with you because you were in Sydney last week as well. And we'll get to that in just a little bit. But let's talk about Australia's vaccine rollout. The AstraZeneca vaccine has been, uh, you know, the talk of the town in recent days. And Prime Minister Scott Morrison has come out and said that Australia won't be able to meet its target to vaccinate as many individuals. That's true, Adrian. You know, really, we had some very ambitious targets early on from January from the Prime Minister. He was hoping to get four million Australians vaccinated by the end of March. And here we are in mid-April, and there's been only 1.2 million vaccinations administered. And that's not all of those Aussies being administered uh, with vaccines. Of course, sometimes you need two doses. So the Prime Minister, Scott Morrison, has abandoned the targets. And uh, everyone's pretty upset about it because Australia's response to the coronavirus pandemic, as your Singapore listeners will know, has been fantastic. We've had very, very few uh, deaths uh, for that population of uh, 25 million plus. But the rollout has been a bit of a disaster with uh, the doubts over the AstraZeneca vaccine. Uh, We're really backing off from that for Australians under the age of 50. We saw a second woman get a blood clot um, just uh, this week uh, from the AstraZeneca vaccine. And as a result, the Australian government has abandoned plans to implement the or introduce the Johnson & Johnson COVID-19 vaccine because of its similarity to AstraZeneca. So it's now a bit of a rush to get the Pfizer vaccine to Australians. But we are very, very much behind uh, the eight ball at the moment when it comes to our vaccine response. And some might say that's not such a big deal, given that, uh, you know, we have uh, very, very few cases of community transmission across the country. But it will mean Australia will take longer to open up to international business, including, you know, Singaporeans who want to come back and study in Australia. They have to go offshore and wait and study remotely and they can't do parts of their courses because they can't travel here. And that vaccine rollout is uh, contributing to the delay in opening Australia's international borders. Elsewhere in Sydney, you were there last week, actually. You were in Sydney and you said everything is kind of normal over there. No mask. Well, very few compared back to Brisbane. What was that like? Yeah, it was uh, amazing, actually, because as your listeners may remember, I travelled there uh, in February and that was the first time I travelled there to my hometown of Sydney, you know, since 2019, since before the pandemic. So in February, I noticed that everyone was pretty much on edge and, you know, people wearing masks and there was a lot of social distancing. But the trip last week was completely different. Even the bus drivers in Sydney aren't wearing masks anymore. See very, very few masks on public transport. And it's kind of a feeling of business as usual in comparison to Brisbane, where I've been living for the past year or so, where it has been mandatory until earlier today to wear masks uh, in shops and public transport, in restaurants. So, you know, Queensland was kind of leading the way when it came to the uh, coronavirus uh, in terms of Australia's response. But, um, you know, we went into this lockdown for three days in Brisbane just, you know, a couple of weeks back. And luckily there weren't any community transmissions. Um, So 
it was ironic to be in Sydney, you know, the biggest city in Australia, the most populated city, and having everyone a lot more relaxed about COVID-19 than they were north of the border in southeast Queensland and the Gold Coast and Brisbane. But we did get some sad news uh, earlier this week where we got the seventh death uh, for Queensland. It was an 80-year-old man who had returned back to Australia from uh, overseas and uh, he moved, was moved to hospital and he died sadly to become the seventh uh, Queensland death and the 909th Australian death from COVID-19, but the first one in quite a long time. And tell me a little bit more about this lockdown in Brisbane. I know it was only for a few days, but what was that like? Yeah, it was it was interesting. I, I was actually staying uh, in central Brisbane at that time. I was staying at a friend's place just on the Botanic Gardens there. So I was walking around this eerily quiet downtown area it was a snap lockdown announced by the Premier Anastasia Palaszczuk and we'd gone through that before and she said, look, we need to see how this will go, whether we can make sure we can stamp out these community cases and it worked a treat. And I, I, you know, I was concerned then that my trip to Sydney would have been cancelled and postponed, but uh, I was able to travel, uh, no problem at all, travelled down on the, the flight of, on Virgin Australia Airlines and, uh, you know, it was a full flight and people, even on the flight, people aren't all wearing masks, uh, not just kids, but adults are not wearing masks, which I found a bit uh, alarming. Of course, I, I wore a mask. So again, we're kind of going back and forth from a very relaxed situation across Australia to these sort of snap lockdowns, you know, that can affect things and make our life, uh, you know, inconvenient. Scary times indeed. I think it's a very dark area when it comes to all the mosques and everything else in Australia, because while a lot of it is safe, you never know when the next major outbreak might be. We're in conversation with Jason Dacey, ABC News journalist and former host of the weekend morning show right here on Money FM 89.3. Jason, Australia and New Zealand are going to start a quarantine-free travel bubble from the 19th of April. Jacinda Ardern, the Prime Minister, announced this last week. And she said that it should happen, but there's been an outbreak at a quarantine facility in Auckland. Will this hamper this bubble? Well, let's hope not, you know, Adrian. I think um, it's just a one-off thing, hopefully, uh, in New Zealand with uh, a person testing positive in a hotel in Auckland. And Auckland's been a bit of a trouble spot, you know, in comparative terms for the rest of New Zealand. But, you know, if that is kind of cleared up and it's not really a major outbreak, then that means that we will see this quarantine-free travel between Australia and New Zealand beginning on the 19th of April. New Zealand Prime Minister Jacinda Ardern announcing the move last week. And since October, New Zealand travellers have been allowed to enter most Australian states without quarantine, but hasn't been reciprocated. So it's uh, it's very exciting for Australians to be able to go to New Zealand. I've got friends who are planning um, trips. And, and you know, the, the country shut the borders in March of last year. And, you know, we've seen both nations doing really well with the coronavirus response. So let's keep our fingers crossed and hope this can begin. And then there's speculation that uh, maybe Singapore and Australia might um, come up to some kind of arrangement later in the year if this goes well. So I know a lot of Singaporeans will be watching to see what happens. But there is a flyer beware slogan to this. So let's say you're traveling to New Zealand from where I am in Brisbane, you're going to Wellington, suddenly there's a, you know, an outbreak, you're kind of stuck there and you, you may have to pay up uh, quite a lot of money um, for hotels and all that sort of thing. And then when you come back, you may have to go into hotel quarantine uh, at this end. So there is a risk towards this. And I think, you know, my family, we were always planning to go to New Zealand. 
we may wait and see what happens with this. It's a little bit too early to make that uh, bold move and book a ticket um, across the ditch, across the Tasman to New Zealand. Yes, there's a lot of risk involved in travelling these days in the new normal because you never know when the next major outbreak may be or, you know, maybe you might not ever experience that in the near future. Let's hope so. Elsewhere in the news, Jason, Christina Holgate has, you know, been making headlines. She says she's been bullied out of the role as CEO of Australia Post after a Cartier watch controversy. Yeah, the Singaporean listeners will like this one. Um, Christine Holgate is a British-born former CEO of Australia Post, and uh, she gave four Cartier watches to executives within Australian Post uh, worth $5,000 each, uh, the Australian and Singapore dollar being about the same, $20 worth of goodies, and then it caused a massive um, row and a massive scandal last year. The Prime Minister, Scott Morrison, very uh, famously announced that if she didn't quit, she'd have to go. And uh, she's been talking about this this week. You know, she uh, told a Senate committee that she was humiliated and pushed out of her job as chief executive officer by the company's chairman about uh, the, that decision to give Cartier watches to staff. She's used the gender card here. She's talked about treatment as a woman. You know, it's kind of divided people here because Australia Post hasn't been performing that well. And to hear about, you know, executives getting these fancy watches worth $5,000 each has really polarised people. But there are those people out there saying that the Prime Minister Scott Morrison should apologise to Christine Holgate about the treatment, you know, that he didn't really give her a fair hearing. And, you know, she, they, they said that she stepped aside voluntarily, but that wasn't the case. So there are a few different issues here that are going on in the background. Uh, she said that she was close to, you know, to suicide. You know, mental health was suffering, and she said she was bullied out of her job, humiliated and driven to despair, thrown under the bus so the chairman of Australia Post could curry favour with his political masters. So it is very political, uh, and this is a story that's creating a lot of headlines in Australia this week. A lot of controversy. I'm sure we haven't heard the last of it. But finally, Jason, before I let you go, let's talk about the markets in Brisbane. I'm sure you love a good market out in Brisbane with so many options to choose from. Can you tell me a little bit more about what makes these markets so unique? Yeah, I've got a couple of um, favourite markets that I like going to. I mean, some of the well-known markets here are the Eagle Farm markets. You've got uh, also the Bristyle Indie Markets, um, Global Food Village. Uh, there's uh, also the Organic Markets as well. That's Northeast Street Organic Market. But my favourite is the one at West End in um, Brisbane. It's called the Davies Park Market. It happens every Saturday morning and, uh, you know, it's wonderful. You can get really good produce, good quality at a very good price, you know, mangoes for 50 cents and avocados for, you know, 50 cents as well. Uh, there's lots of live music. There's food that you can get. Um, I love the passion fruits. I mean, they're delicious. You can get quality of passion fruits from the Sunshine Coast that I've never had before. Uh, and the atmosphere is really cool. You know, it, it's an inner city market. You can actually see the city from there. And, you know, my wife and I, myself, we often head there sometimes with our daughter. We walk around. And another market that I like is called the Eat Street Markets at Hamilton along the river. And this is the closest thing I've seen in Brisbane to a Singapore hawker centre where you can kind of walk along this kind of narrow area and there are lots of eateries uh, from all over the world. It's called the Eat Street Markets at Hamilton. You can even catch the, um, the city cat, you know, the ferry there 
and um, you know it's by the river and you've got that sort of lovely feeling of um, you know warmth and and the music and the atmosphere and I'm kind of just my mouth's watering at the moment just thinking about it and so I really hope that you know when the international borders do open that that Singaporeans can check out some of the really cool markets I know that Sydney you know has got good markets as well at Glebe and also the Paddington markets Paddy's markets Singaporeans might be familiar with them but Brisbane is also quite surprising in the quality of markets it has. Jason, you also celebrated your birthday recently. What was that like in a COVID environment? Of course, no lockdowns, but uh, how did you feel this year? It was a nice birthday. I actually was traveling back to Brisbane from Sydney the day before. And, you know, I think, uh, you know, your listeners can relate to this. A lot of time our birthdays now is all about spending it with family. So um, my daughter had missed me while I was away at school holidays here in uh, in Queensland at the moment. So we actually went to um, Dreamworld, the theme park, uh, on the way to the Gold Coast, and we had a day there at the uh, the wet section there, where you can actually enjoy the you know the slides and all the water, and there's even a wave pool. Uh, so that was my birthday, and then you know we are into autumn now, but it was a warm day. It got up to about 28 or 29 degrees, and there was actually a de- pretty decent crowd. So. Even though you were, you needed a mask to walk in, you know, to register. But once you're inside and you were at the water play area, you didn't, of course, obviously didn't have to wear a mask there. But on the rides and the dry side, I think you did. So, yeah, it was a good birthday, Adrian. They they come along too quickly now, um, but uh, you know it's always fun. And of course, I I spent um, you know the previous day with my mum, who's 86 years old in Sydney, and and uh, she she gave me some presents that I took and opened uh, on Sunday, which was my birthday. Fantastic. Glad that you had a great time and spent it with your family as well. We've been in conversation with Jason Dacey, ABC News journalist and former host of the Weekend Morning Show right here on Money FM. Jason, always a pleasure speaking to you and look forward to catching up with you soon. Thank you, Adrian. And uh, everyone have a great uh, rest of the week and enjoy the weekend ahead.